0: Slay it. Slay it. Kids, that's what's called a technical difficulty. Uh, we do this live, if you, in case you uh, haven't figured it out. And so, uh, um, yeah, and uh, it's, uh, this, uh, we're, our church is six. One day we're gonna figure this out, I promise. All right? Hey, it's cool, man. Um, here's what we're gonna do, man. I'm gonna pray and um, uh, talk to you really quickly about something that you did see there that I, I really need. The second one was kind of goofy. Um, but I need you to know something about that first video you saw there. So I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to jump in here this morning. God, I pray that you would just grip our hearts with the, um, just the weight of this season and, 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 and the potential of it, God, the potential of what could possibly happen if we as a church would be bold and take a step and invite someone to a church service that people would hear the gospel and that they'd be saved. God, I pray that you would give us radical boldness. God, that we would be broken over the fact that, that God, we have family members who are lost. God, we have friends who don't know Jesus. God, we are around people every single day, Father, who do not know what we know. And I think the worst thing we could do is talk about how Jesus is the reason for the season and not tell anybody about it. I think the worst thing that we could do, God, is come here and sing Christmas songs and have nativity scenes at home and know what it means and not do anything about it for the sake of the salvation of other people. I think that's the worst thing that we could do. So, God, I pray that you would just just lay that on us, God. Lay that on us. It's the opportunity. uh, We got this season to make a difference and to see lives changed. And Father, I pray that you guide our time here. You bless our time. Father, we surrender it to you. Thank you that Jesus, you are Lord. We love you. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, so here's the deal. If you are brand new, uh, to summit, uh, then I want you to know that you have uh, entered into what is uh, arguably the biggest season in the history of uh, in, in our church all year long. Rather is what I'm trying to say. This is the the Christmas season is the biggest time of year for our church. We intentionally lean in to Christmas because it's during Christmas people are more open to an invite to church during Christmas than at any other time of the year. That's proven uh, from all kinds of different sources and surveys and research that people are more open to Jesus, people are more open to the gospel, people are more open to the church this time of year, every year, than they are at any other point. I mean, at some point this Christmas season on ABC, Linus is going to stand up and preach the gospel to Charlie Brown and to all America, right? And here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal, wait, 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 here's the deal. Nobody is going to get on Twitter and Facebook, I can't believe that that cartoon with a blanket told me that Jesus was born. Nobody gets fired up, upset. They're like, woo, Charlie Brown, I love it. And people do that right now, right now in our culture. I was watching something on TV yesterday, uh, some Christmas celebration. There was a band singing. They weren't Christians at all, but they were singing how the great I am was born on Christmas. I'm just telling you that, that our culture might be closed off to the gospel all year long but something happens at Christmas. Hello? Something, something happens at Christmas. There are people that you know and I know have no interest in church at all, but either this past week or this month or in the next couple of weeks, they're gonna put a nativity scene in their house. And here's what that says to me. That says to me, that you're more open than you think you are. That's what that says to me. So I I make no apologies. We lean into this season. And we tell people, I urge people, I am begging you, invite anything with a pulse to our service on December 20th. This is our last Christmas in the forum, y'all. This is it. Next Christmas, we're going to be in our building. So let's make this one one to remember. How can we do that? Let's fill up every single seat in the forum. Let's fill them up so that people have to sit in the aisles. When you leave today, there's a table out there. They're going to be giving these out, but there's a table out there with invite cards to Christmas. I think every person ought to take as many as you possibly can and invite like crazy with those cards, with word of mouth, social media, and just tell people to come. Will everybody? No. Will somebody? Yep. And who knows? God might save somebody. And the thing that it used, we say this all the time, we say this all the time in our church, that one invite could change a life. Isn't that true? One invite could change a life, man. And so why not invite, why not take a step? Is it scary? Yeah, is it awkward? Absolutely, but you know what? I just think it's worth it. I just think it's worth it to lay your reputation on the line and to take a step of boldness for Jesus and to see what might happen. So let's do it, all right? Let's do it, all right? So hey, uh, if you are a first-time guest, you're new here today, uh, we've got a free gift for you. We'd love to connect with you at the welcome table after church. When the sermon's over, Jacob's going to come up and just, uh, af- after the service and uh, talk to us about a couple of things our church needs to know. Uh, but uh, after the sermon, I'm going to give you a chance to fill out your connection card while we're receiving our offering, and Jacob's going to be sharing with us. So Luke chapter 2 is where we're at today. Luke chapter 2. We are officially in the Christmas Advent season, and what I love. I'm a runner. I like to run a lot. And what I love about this season, one thing uh, that I notice about this season, as a runner, I notice that people talk about the time between Christmas, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the, the Christmas season. People talk about this time of year as if they were running a marathon. I love it, right? So we'll look at each other and we'll say things like, we'll say things like this. Well, we just got to pace ourselves, All right? Because we got this rehearsal we got to go to and this party and we got to get this gift and we got to wait in this line. We just got to pace ourselves. And then, and then if we wake up, we wake, on December 26th, we make it through the Christmas season. What do we say? We made it. I mean, it's almost like we get a medal at the finish line because we just lived through Christmas. I mean, anybody at this time of year, see if any of these words describe you. Describe you stressed. Freaking out burned out. You, you're seeing everything you've got to, to go to, all the, all the stuff the kids are a part of and all the things going on at work and church and everything else over the next couple of weeks and you're, lo- and you're looking at it and you are hyperventilating. Right? You, you're just having a hard time keeping it in because it feels like a lot of stuff and we're just running around at a million miles an hour, we're freaking out. But here's what we're telling people. Jesus is the reason for the season. right? It's Jesus' fault we're all like this. He's the reason right? It's Jesus is the reason for the season, right? Freaking out, stressed out, punching people at Walmart to get discount towels. Jesus is the reason for the season. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Right? Here's what I think. I think that Christmas is just like life. I think that Christmas is just like life where you can go through it and you can easily miss God. Man, when when Jesus was born in Bethlehem on that night, people were going shopping. People were uh, hanging out with their families. They were going to work. People in Bethlehem were just living their lives. They had no idea that in a stable down the street, God had stepped into their town. Literally, God with skin on Jesus Christ, born in their town, and they didn't even know it. And we could go through this season, nativity scenes in our house, and we could sing the carols and say Jesus is the reason for the season. We can say it with our mouths, but in our hearts, our hearts are millions of miles away. And so what we're doing today is we're starting a series called Come Let Us Adore Him. And that's not a new title, and obviously we didn't think that up, but here's what I want us to see today and over the next couple of weeks in this series. I want us to know that Christmas is not about Jesus being born. Christmas is, is not about a baby. Christmas is about Jesus himself. That Jesus left heaven, came, and became a human being for the salvation of mankind. And listen, if that is true, if it is true, that if, it, if it's historically true that Jesus came, that 2,000 years ago, the God-man was born in Bethlehem, a city you can actually go to. And I've been there. You can go to it. You can go to the place where they say that he was born. If the God man really was born, then that ought to have a radical impact on our lives. Man, if if God put on skin, I think it ought to mean more than we put up a Christmas tree and decorate the house. All right? And... And, here, and, and, and so, so, there's, so there's some radical things that ought to happen in our lives if Jesus was really born, if Christmas really happened. And I just want to focus on one of those radical effects that it ought to have on our lives over the next few weeks leading into Christmas. And it's just simply this. If Christmas happened, then Christmas is about worship. That, that, that Jesus came so that you and I would worship him. That, that, that Christmas is about worship. And I just want us to show it. I want to show us this as we're just launching this series today. Luke chapter 2. All right. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. You should uh, hopefully you're there in your Bible. If not, the words are going to be on the screen. But Luke 2, 8 through 21 says, In the same region, there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from, uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. For they all heard, for all that they had heard and seen and it, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when Jesus was circumcised, when he was circumcised, circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's just try to, just try to rally around here and, and figure out the cast of characters in the story we just read. So the first people that we see are the shepherds. Now here's what you need to know about the shepherds. They were rejects. They were rejects. They were outcasts. Literally, no one wanted to be around shepherds. I mean, that seems like a small detail there in your Bible in verse 8. That out in the field, the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks by night. Do you know why they were out in a field? Because the shepherds smelled like sheep. The, the shepherds were nasty. They'd been hanging around sheep all day. Uh, when, I was in, uh, when Elaine and I, we were in Israel several weeks ago, you can actually go to a place that's just literally outside of Bethlehem called the shepherd's field. And it's a field, and now, there's, now they've built churches there to, to kind of memorialize that site. But here at this time, it was just a field right, outside of the skirt, right, out, right on the outskirts of Bethlehem, this small field where these shepherds were. And they would live in this field. They would live in this cave. It's just these shepherds that were out there because here's why. Nobody wanted them in the city. Nobody wanted to be around shepherds. They smelled bad. They looked bad. They were rejects. They were outcasts. No, no, no! Shepherd was voted most popular in school. No shepherd was voted most likely to succeed. They were sent out of the city to the field because they were a shepherd. And out of all people, God comes to these shepherds and says, "God has been born." Why does God come to shepherds? Why didn't God come to a king? Why did not God come to some holy person? Why out of everybody does God come to shepherds? And listen, some of you, this is the only thing you came to hear today. God brought you here just so you can hear this. The reason that God comes to the outcast is because God is the God of the outcast. God is the God of the overlooked. God is the God of the people that society rejects and society doesn't want anything to do with them. God comes to the outcast and says that Jesus has been born and he was born for you. He's born for me. And then all of a sudden, these shepherds are out in the fields, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an angel shows up. And the angel says there, I don't know if you ever noticed this or not, but the angel says here in verse 10, the same thing an angel says, the first thing angel says to everybody that, sh- that, that they uh, appear to, verse 10, fear not, don't be afraid. Do you know why an angel always opens up with, don't be afraid? Because they don't tell you they're coming. They just, boom, angel, what? That's it. Angels tell people don't be afraid because the first thing people do when they see an angel is they pee on themselves. That's why. It's horrifying, right? So they're just there doing the shepherd thing. I don't know what the shepherd thing is, but they're doing the shepherd thing, and then boom, angel. Ah! Says don't be afraid. And watch this, man. This angel gets so fired up about what it says. This angel comes to them in verse 10 and says, Behold unto you this day in the the city of David is born the Savior, Christ the Lord. This angel gets so excited and passionate about what they're proclaiming to these shepherds that verse 13 says all of a sudden a multitude of angels shows up. So there was one angel, now multitude. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of angels that show up right there on the shepherd's field to the outcast. And it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. What are they doing? They're worshiping. These angels show up, they say Jesus has come, and they can't help it. They've got to worship. And then it says that the shepherds make haste to Bethlehem. From the shepherd's field to Bethlehem would have been, a, would have been probably a 15-minute run for these shepherds. And they get to Bethlehem. They see Mary and Joseph. In verse 20 it says that the shepherds go back to the field, return glorifying and praising God. The angels are worshiping. The shepherds are worshiping. Several days later, Mary and Joseph take Jesus into the temple because Mary and Joseph were observant Jews and they needed to take their newborn baby into the temple for the rite of purification. They walk into the temple. There's a prophet there named Simeon and the Holy Spirit had already told Simeon, Simeon, you will not die until you meet the Messiah. And Mary, Joseph, and Jesus walk in, and the Holy Spirit whispers into Simeon's ear, Simeon, there he is. And Simeon sees Jesus. In verse 28, it's not on the screen or anything, but if you got a Bible, you can look at it. Verse 28, Simeon runs up to Mary and Joseph, takes Jesus in his arms, and blesses God, and says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He picks him up, he begins to praise God and bless God. What's he doing? He's worshiping. Simeon hands Jesus back to Mary and Joseph, then another prophet. Her name's Anna. Anna walks up to Mary and Joseph, and she sees Jesus. She knows exactly who Jesus is. And in verse 38, Anna says, coming up at that very hour, Anna began to give thanks to God and and to speak of him in all of Jerusalem for those waiting for redemption. She runs up to Jesus, and she begins to worship. The angels are worshiping. The shepherds are worshiping. Are you sensing a theme here? right? Simeon is worshiping. Anna is worshiping. We back up to Luke chapter 1 after the angel tells Mary that she's going to give birth to Jesus. Mary in verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord. What's she doing? She's worshiping. Listen, Summit, the right response to Jesus is worship. The right response to Jesus is worship, and I think what God wants to do in our lives this Christmas, and not just this Christmas, but every single day of our lives, is I think that God wants our church to be a church of worshipers, amen? I think that God wants us to be a church of worshipers, and for that to happen, we need to see three things today. Three things that you and I have got to see if we're gonna be people who worship, not just at Christmas, but every day of the year. First is, we gotta see this, that worship is our response to God. Worship is our response to God. I mean, if you want a definition of worship, there's a great definition. Worship is our response to God. This past summer, we went to the Grand Canyon. I went out west for vacation and took a day, and we went to the Grand Canyon, and we got out of the car, and you have to walk a little trail uh, to get there. And when we actually saw the Grand Canyon... All I, I mean, I looked at it for a couple of minutes, and it took me several minutes, honestly, to figure out whether or not what I was looking at, was it real? I'd never been in, in the presence of anything like that. And all I could say when I first saw it, kind of collected myself, was wow. And you could see, you could hear other people who walked up to the Grand Canyon for the first time, and, and you could hear them, wow, oh my goodness, when we got out of the car and walked, walked that trail and actually saw the Grand Canyon, you couldn't hear anybody say, eh, just a bunch of rocks. Nobody said, all right, we saw it, let's go. No, the right response in the presence of it was, oh my goodness. It's the same thing, you, if you've ever seen the ocean for the first time and you see it, you're like, oh my goodness, or if you're a parent and you see the birth of your children or your grandkids or whatever, and you say, oh my gosh, I need to, the right response is a response of worship. Listen, the right response in the presence of Jesus is worship. Nobody got ever got, nobody ever got in the presence of God and they were bored. Hello? Nobody ever got in the presence of God and checked their watch. Nobody ever got in the presence of God and, and checked to see what the score was. The, the right response in the presence of God is worship. Here's the problem, man. I know what's happening in this room right now. When we talk about worship, we're going to be talking about worship in this series. A lot of us are thinking, worship, oh, he means singing. Now listen, singing is a part of it. And and singing music, all that, that's a part of worship. But listen, listen, God doesn't want us to worship simply for 20 minutes, 30 minutes on a Sunday morning with four sets of songs. Worship is more than music. Listen, worship is a lifestyle. God wants us to be worshipers with our lives, the way we talk, the way we think, the way we plan our days and our weeks and our months and our years, the way we use our money, that the longer we follow Jesus, the more we worship Jesus. And i tell you this, man, listen, if you want to see worship in here go to the next level, if you want to see worship intensify on Sunday mornings, then worship Jesus out there before you get in here. Hello? Right? Worship Jesus out there Monday through Saturday and watch what happens to your worship when we gather on Sunday. Right? So some of you come every single week, well, I don't get anything out of it. Well, are you worshiping him out there? Hello? Are you worshiping out there? If you want worship in here to intensify, worship God out there. So the first thing we got to see is the worship is the right response to God. That's why everybody in the Christmas story automatically worships. Man, when you're in the presence of God, you can't do anything else. You're going to worship. Number two, got to see this. We are worshipers. We are worshipers. When the angel came and told the shepherds that the Savior had been born, and listen, everybody had been anticipating the coming of the Messiah for generations. I mean, they'd heard the Old Testament prophecies. They'd heard heard everything about how God says that one day he's gonna send a Savior. Did you know that almost to a person, Almost every single person in Jerusalem at that time, when they thought of the coming Messiah, they thought that the coming Messiah was going to be a political figure who would deliver them from Roman oppression. Here's what they were looking for. They thought that a politician would save them. And I hear that, and I say, ain't much changed. Hello? Hello? Some of us are still looking for the exact same thing, right? I love what the angels do. Did you notice that the angels give Jesus three titles? Verse 11, Jesus is Savior, Christ, and Lord. Savior, Christ, and Lord. Let's all say it together. Savior, Christ, and Lord. Why those three? Here's why those three. Because the deepest desire in our heart is for a Savior, a Christ, and a Lord. The deepest desire of the human heart is for all three of those. Listen, every one of us is looking for a Savior, every one of us. Every one of us is looking for something to save us, to save us from maybe our boring lives, or to save us from lives that aren't going the way that we expected. Save us maybe from our marriages, or save us maybe from our school, save us from from a career that we just feel like is dead end. Every single person in here, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, every person is looking for a savior. That's exactly why some of you are treating your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife or your children, and you are looking for them. Look, you are looking to them rather for things that you can only get from God. Right? And your boyfriend can't save you, and neither can your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your kids. But we're looking to them to be our saviors. Or if we're not looking to them, we're looking to our careers, looking to our square footage, we're looking to our income, we're looking to our retirement. Every person in here is looking for a Savior, and Christians should not assume that Jesus is yours. I'm talking to Christians now. Don't listen to me and think, oh, he's talking about Jesus being your Savior. I made that decision when I was little. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, Jesus might be your Savior, but your functional Savior, the Savior that you are operating out of on a daily basis, could be something entirely other than Jesus. Let me ask you a question. I ask this through our church all the time. Let me ask you a question. Answer this honestly to yourself. What's the one thing in your life that if you lost today, you couldn't go on? There's your Savior. There's your Savior. You might wish till the cows come home it was Jesus, but whatever you said, your first impulse, that's your Savior. And whatever our Savior is inevitably becomes our God. It inevitably becomes our God. We can't help it, right? See, when it says, that, when it says the Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name, y'all, Okay? Mary, Joseph, Jesus, Christ, like the Combses. No, no, Christ is not their last name, all right? Christ is a title. Christ means God. These angels are saying Jesus is God. He's not a wise man or a good man. Jesus is God, all right? Whatever your Savior is becomes your God. Some of us, our God is what other people think about us. Hello? Man, I know a ton of people. They can't make a single decision without thinking about what everybody else is going to think about them. I can't say certain things. I can't do certain things. I can't wear certain things because I want everybody to like me. I want to be accepted. My favorite people are the people who put on social media, I don't care what nobody thinks about me, and then checks it every five minutes, see how many likes they get. I love it. I love it. I love people who do that on Instagram, right? I don't care what nobody thinks about me, y'all. I'm just living my life, be who I want to be. And you can tell from the selfie that was the 50th time they took it, right? But I don't care. I don't care. Looking good, right? Right? Maybe that's your God. Or your God is your academic performance. Your God is your athleticism. Your God is your family. Your God is your whatever. And then listen, whatever is our Savior becomes our God, and then it becomes our Lord. And Lord means something that drives your life. Listen, you don't have to worship Jesus, but you will worship something. If Jesus is not your God, something is. If Jesus is not your Savior, something is. If Jesus is not your Lord, something is. And listen, I love you well and I love you enough to tell you that if you worship anything other than Jesus Christ, it is an idol and it will ultimately destroy you. It's an idol and it's gonna destroy you. And the proof of that, the proof that worshiping Jesus ultimately destroys you is look at the addiction problem in our community. Man, you want to know what the, the addiction issue that we're facing right now in eastern Kentucky and Perry County in Hazard, you want to know what that problem fundamentally is? It's a worship problem. It's a worship problem. Because I worship what I want so much, I don't care if it destroys me and everyone around me, I will do this. That is worship, Right? And listen, I'm around a lot of people who are saying right now that Jesus is the only true solution to the addiction issue in this community. And I say yes and amen to that, but I want to say to our church, if we really believe that, then we would tell somebody that. Amen? 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 Amen. And we would say it more than just when we're together. We would tell the addict that Jesus is their hope. We would tell people in our schools where we work, where we live. We would tell everybody Jesus is the Savior. Because you are looking in that addiction, and you are looking in your income, and you are looking in that affair, you are looking in that thing, you are looking for in places for a Savior, you are not going to find one. But I am telling you, 2,000 years ago, Jesus burst through the heavens and entered our story so that we could have a Savior. You might not worship God, you are worshiping something, and anything you worship other than Him, it will destroy you. Here's the thing, you gotta know, number three, last thing, and then we're done. Worship is our response to God. We are worshipers, so we're gonna worship something. And number three, finally, I want our church to see that worship is forever. Worship is forever. The worship that Jesus gets right here at the first Christmas is the worship that Jesus is getting right now and for all of eternity. That's what's happening for Jesus. Jesus is being worshiped right now. I love what Revelation chapter 19, verse six says, then I heard, watch this, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. John gets a vision of heaven, and listen—you're there if you're a follower of Jesus, and I'm there if I'm there. I almost said if I'm a follower of Jesus, I am, I am. All right, In case you're wondering, see, saved? I am. All right, I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude—billions of people. Billions of people in heaven. John sees all of us at the end of time. Watch this. Hey, you want to know how loud the worship's going to be in heaven? Watch. Like the roar of many waters and like the sound, watch this, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. Man, you ever thought worship was loud in here? Bro, wait till you get to heaven. Right? Man, it's going to be thick. The bass is going to be pumping. Britt's over here in heaven. Woo! It's going to be awesome. It's going to be loud. And listen, listen. What makes heaven so loud? What makes heaven so loud? It just sounds like thunder all the time. Here it is. It's all of us lifting up our voice saying hallelujah. Right? Right? Here, here. Let's rehearse. Let's rehearse right now. I'm going to, as soon as I say three, I want you to yell hallelujah, the loudest you've ever heard, yelled it, because that's what you're going to do in heaven, all right? One, two, three, hallelujah! See, heaven is that, like, times a thousand, right? Hallelujah! What are we celebrating? Look at the rest of the verse. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. Listen, listen. Everything we do as a church will end. This church is going to end. Right? We don't all get Summit shirts and coffee mugs in heaven. We don't, man. Every church is going to shut its doors one day. Everyone, did you know that? Every church is going to close. Who's going to shut them down? Jesus is because he's setting up a kingdom, man. <laughs> right? Every single thing we do as a church is going to end one day. Evangelism is going to end. And helping the hurting is going to end. And church planting is going to end. And everything we do for kids and students, it's all going to end. But worship will never end. We will never stop. We we will never run out of it. Worship never ends. And so I just want to say, until that day, until that day, let's keep doing everything else because Jesus wants to be worshiped in this community. Jesus wants his name lifted up above all names in this region. So that's why we do evangelism. That's why we should want every student to meet Jesus so they can worship him and not worship something else. That's why we should do all we can to reach kids and families so they can worship him and not waste their lives worshiping something else. Listen, that is why we're building that building. We are not building a building because we think there needs to be another church building in Perry County. We are building that building because we believe that God has called us to be a part of making sure that his name is worshipped and lifted up in this region more than any other name. And we believe he's going to use us to that end. So we're not moving out. We're not staying here. We are planting roots, building that building. You are giving generously. And when we go there in a few months, we are going there to say, Jesus is worth it all. Jesus is Lord. And so let worship be the fuel for everything else we do as a church. I'll ask you one question and then I'm done. We'll pray. Worship will last forever. Worship is going to last forever. But are the things that you're worshiping going to last forever? Right? Right? Worship is going to last. Worship of Jesus will never end. But will the things that you're worshiping end? Will the things that you're worshiping die? Will the things that you're worshiping fade? Man, I'm talking to Christians here today. Hello? I'm talking to the church of Jesus. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me here today. Will what I'm worshiping last? Because if not, If not, today, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. If not, you can make a refund. You can trade it in. And you can trade in the idol that you are bowing down to. Trade it in for the one true and living God, Jesus Christ, who is what your soul is longing for, who is what you are looking for. You will not find what you are looking for in any other place than him. Nowhere else. And so today, maybe today you need to turn from that idol and you need to turn back to Jesus. Maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus for the very first time because he came for you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, so we just come to you right now. It's in your name. And God, as we kick off this Advent season, this Christmas season, it's all about worship. And we don't want to worship anything other than you. God, God, do not let us have nativity scenes in our homes, and sing Christmas carols, and come to church and celebrate the story of Christmas, but our hearts are wrapped up in another kind of story. Jesus, we want to worship you. We want to live for you. And so, Father, right now, show us any idol that needs to go. Doesn't matter how much of a good thing it might be, too often good things become God things. God, is there something else that we started to bow down to? Show it to us right now. Show it to us right now. If that's you today, right now, if that's you, if the Holy Spirit is just revealing to you right now, you know what, this is too big in your life, this has taken the place of God in your life, Let's just call it what it is. If the Holy Spirit is showing you something and he's saying, this is an idol. Just raise your hand right now so we can pray for you. Just raise your hand right now. Say, Mark, there's something in my life God is showing me. It's too big. Something's taken the place of Jesus. There's a hand right there. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Just say that. There's another one right there. God bless you. There's another one right there. Say, Mark, God is showing me something that's taking his place. There's another hand. Just went up right over there. Here's one up front. God bless you. There's another one. There's another one. God bless you. There's one. Father, I thank you that, God, you don't show us these things to condemn us. You show us these things to set us free. So, God, do it. Set us free. Set us free from idols. Set us free from small living so that, God, we can do exactly what everybody in the Christmas story does. They worship. They worship. And you might be here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. Listen. Listen. Do not go through this season. Do not go through this day without having Jesus in your life. If today you know you need to be saved, you want a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know he wants one with you. Came for you and died for you, back from the dead for you. And today, if God is speaking to you and saying, hey, today you need to be saved, today I want to start a relationship with you, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me right there where you're at. Say, dear Lord Jesus, Forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I give my life to you right now for the first time. Help me to live for you. Help me to love you. Thank you that you're a God that saves. In your name, Jesus. Amen. No one is looking around. No eyes are open. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time, would you raise your hand right now so we can see it and just celebrate with you? Just raise your hand and say, Mark, today I gave my life to Jesus for the first time, or I want to make that decision. Raise your hand right now if that's you. Just go ahead and do that. Father, I, I thank you that, that the Christmas story is more than a story. This happened. This is not something fairy tale or something like that. God, this actually happened in real time and so God, we just burn it into us that Jesus, you came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus, we worship you and we love you. Thank you for this time. God, do not let what you've revealed to us today leave us. Burn it into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Church, let's give God praise today. Let's thank God that he came for who he is and what he's done, and and right now, uh, I just want to give you an opportunity. I would love to know what God did in your life today, all right? Um, would you just grab your connection card? Everybody in here, just grab your connection card. We ask every single person that comes, everybody that comes. We ask everybody to go ahead and grab that card. Just write on that. If you're a regular attender, you can just write your name and check the box that says, I'm a, return, I'm a regular guest, or a regular attender, um, but fill that out as best as you possibly can, and let us know what God did in your life today. Any decision you need to make, you want to be baptized, you want to become a part of this church, you want to begin to serve, just let us know what God did in your life today. Our ushers are going to come and get in place. We're going to receive our offering. You guys can go ahead. Men and women who are helping out with that today, you can go ahead and get in place. Jacob's going to come up here uh, in just a moment. You can go ahead do a microphone. You can go ahead do a mic here. Jacob's going to come. and uh, While we're receiving our offering, Jacob's going to uh, share a couple things with you that you need to know, one especially for next Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be really neat. Hey, really quickly before we receive our offering, I want to show you some pictures here of our building. Uh, whoop, they're, they're real dark. That's blacktop. There we go. Hey, there we go. There's blacktop up there at the building. There's a room with blue walls. Look, it got painted. There we go. You can see these pictures. There we go. So the paint's on the walls and lights are on. Go to the next picture there. There we go. There's the auditorium right there. Lights are on. Every first time guest in our new building gets like a forklift and a crane. It's going to be one of those. It's going to be awesome. Uh, the lobby's finished painting and uh, all that, man. But all that, things are happening. You guys are continuing to give, and, and progress is happening up there at the building. And, then, Lord willing, we're going to be in there very soon. But I just want to encourage you to continue to give. Thank you guys so much for what you have given. I'm going to pray, and we're going to receive our offering. I want you to listen to uh, uh, Jacob. He's got something, uh, like I said, you need to be here next Sunday. Jacob's going to tell you about it, but I'm going to say do not miss next Sunday. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for every person that gives. God bless the gift and the giver. Father, I pray that you would be glorified today in what's given and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're a, if you're new here today, I'd love to meet you at the welcome table
1: after church. Jacob, go ahead. Good morning, Summit. Um, God is so good. Um, just to kind of give him praise. Uh, I'm just so thankful for God. I know it just came out of a series about thankfulness or whatever, but uh, it's just so important to continuously thank God in every circumstance. Even when you don't feel like thanking him, it's so important to uh, just thank him because he is good. So... Um, next uh sunday december 10th is going to be the student takeover service um it is all the students whatever we're going to do the whole service you don't want to miss that we have a lot of good stuff going on um we have a couple people speaking and it's just going to be really awesome don't miss it come support us we need you guys to support us in this um When you leave, there's invite cards for the Christmas service on the table. Make sure you get some of those and hand them out like crazy. Invite everybody you know, everybody you don't know, and just give those cards out to everybody. And um, Tonight, there is students. Uh, Middle school is at 530. High school is at 705. Um, We have been having awesome students on Sunday nights. Uh, God is there. God is just doing so many things. And if there's anywhere that your kid needs to be, it's at students. Um, God is just really doing a lot in that. So, and the Summit app, download it if you don't have it. There's all kinds of good stuff on it. There's devotions on it. It's going to keep you up to date. So, that's it. That's all I have. So.